I'm not sure of the theological beliefs of the Temptations. Uh, I'm guessing their name by their name they probably weren't Nazarenes, but um, uh, the message of that song underlies a basic theological premise that uh, that really should affect our lives and how we how we live our lives. In essence, Jesus said the same thing. I'm not sure we don't have record that he ever sang it, but uh, in essence, Jesus said, "Get ready, because here I come." Uh, what do you get ready for? I think maybe maybe you, uh, you you study to get ready for a test at school, or or maybe you bone up on your skills to get ready for a job interview. Maybe you clean the house and bake and cook in order to get ready for company, or, or maybe you you work out and condition yourself to get ready to play on a sports team or to run a race. I I know that builders have to do certain things in just the right way in order to get ready for the building inspector. Uh, when you're on the, the, the track team, the starter warns you before the gun goes off. Ready, set, go, right? If you're on vacation, if you're going on vacation, there's a lot to do to get ready. Uh, there are certain things that we do to get ready around the house and the yard. Maybe if, if we know that a storm is coming or, or there's a frost coming, we get ready by covering the plant. In, in the morning, the time between when you wake up and when you head out the door, we usually call getting ready for work or school, right? Or church. Uh, if you didn't do that, you'd get some pretty crazy looks. And we go through that same ritual, a lot of that same ritual in reverse when at the end of the day when we get ready for bed, right? It seems like we're always getting ready for something. We need to be prepared. We don't want to be caught off guard. It throws us for a loop when we don't have time to get ready. And Jesus told us in the Bible many different times that he's coming back at the end of time and so we need to be ready. In John 14, verse 3, before, uh, on the last night of, uh, of the upper room, Jesus talking to his disciples, uh, is talking about going, and he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me to be, uh, be with me where I am. In Revelation chapter 3, uh, Jesus speaking through the, uh, uh, the, the, the vision that, that, that John is having, Jesus says, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Revelation 22, 7. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. Uh, later in the same chapter in verse 12, look, I am coming soon. Uh, again, later in that same chapter, Revelation 22, 20, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Even uh, as Jesus ascended into heaven in, in, in the first chapter of Acts, uh, Jesus going up into heaven and, and is obscured by the clouds, and then there's angels that appear. And, and he talks, they talked to the disciples and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the, into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I've always wanted them to make a new version of the Jesus film starring Arnold Schwarzenegger as Jesus. You're getting ahead of me, Right? I'll be back, right? And that's the worst Arnold Schwarzenegger impression you'll ever hear. Um, 
It's a big part of what we believe as, as Christians, part of our worldview. So we've got these, uh, we've been looking at this, these, uh, worldviews, uh, the Christian worldview, the non-Christian worldview. And, uh, and as we look at all this, it's, it's centered on God and, and God created everything and we're in relationship with God, but then sin broke all that apart. So we needed Jesus and He is our Savior. And, and, and right here is where we're, where we're at today because we believe that heaven is our home, not this earth here, but that there's going to be, uh, something we're headed to, that this is just temporary, but there's going to be uh, a heaven that we're that we're going going to spend eternity in, and that is our home. It, it's central uh, in in our worldview. Of course, it's it's not over here on the non-Christian worldview. Uh, over here, the, this is our home, and so we're not living for anything beyond this life. It's the amount of years that we're here, and so we need just to make the most of them, and we just need to be happy. Uh, and uh, and and so that's where where we uh, where we fall. On, uh, on this side, we believe that this life is going to end sometime and it will usher in eternity and we'll spend eternity in heaven with God. Those uh, who uh, don't have a relationship with God will be, quote, cast into the lake of fire where there will be weeping and ganashing of teeth. I love that word, ganashing. Anyway. Doesn't sound pleasant, right? I want to be on the other side. Uh, the stakes are pretty high here, so we'd better be ready. Uh, maybe it's a little bit like playing hide-and-seek as a kid. The premise is a simple one. The person who is it uh, hides and uh, hides his eyes and counts, maybe counts to 20 or 30 or, or, or whatever, and, uh, and, and then everyone else goes and hides. And, and while you're hiding, uh, you, you find a place, hopefully in time, and you hear the words, ready or not, here I come. And when you hear those words, three things, if you're playing, if, if you're playing hide and go seek, there are three different things that you know when you hear those words. Uh, the person who is it is coming when he's ready. Right? He's counted, he's got to the place, he's coming when he's ready. The, the second thing we know is that he's coming whether I'm ready or not. And the third thing is if I'm not ready, things aren't gonna go well for me, I'm not gonna win the game, right? Those same three things could be said of looking at uh, the, uh, the, the questions of uh, things uh, in, uh, at the end of time. God is coming when he's ready, whether I'm ready or not. And if I'm not ready, there will probably be, there will be consequences to pay. And, and so we're, we're, we're marching through this series of frequently asked questions, right? And we have just, just three more sessions to go. Maybe we've saved the, 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 the best for last. Uh, we're, we're, uh, we're, we've just uh, got this week and then, then two more. As, as a youth pastor, our teens, uh, from time to time, you know, years gone by, we would ask them, what do they want to study? What do you want to study? What do you want to look at next? And usually, usually they came up with three different things. Uh, maybe not necessarily in order, but uh, three different things. First of all, they always wanted to, to, to talk about sex, right? And so uh, they, they wanted to know what the Bible said about all of that. Uh, second thing, they wanted to talk about end times and figure out all the crazy whatever stuff. And then third thing, they wanted to know if there was sex in the end times. And so then that was... So over the next two weeks, the next three weeks, uh, we're studying end times today, and then the next couple of weeks we're talking about relationships and, and human sexuality and, and gender identity and all those uh, hot-button topics over the next couple of weeks. Uh, but today we're, we're focusing on this, this end time stuff. It's, uh, it's an essential part of our theology, knowing that this world is temporary. It's going to come to an end, and the Bible says we need to be prepared for that. 
And so we'll look briefly today at, at what happens at the end of time. How do we know when we're getting close and how can we prepare? So the first question uh, I want to address today is what is going to happen at the end of time? The answer is a whole bunch of weird stuff. I'll go into a little more detail than that. We're not just going to leave that as our answer. But ultimately, so Jesus reigns, or God reigns forever. Jesus followers are given eternal life and, uh, and, and rewarded with, 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 with heaven, uh, relationship with God, uh, in God's presence continually. The unrepentant spend eternity in hell, separated from God. There's actually a lot written in Scripture about the end of time, uh, end times, what that's all going to be like. A lot of people have developed some pretty complex theories and theologies around it all. Scholars call it eschatology. And I spent four years and thousands of dollars to find out what that means at seminary, so I'm going to use it, doggone it, in this, in this sermon. Eschatology is simply the study of last things. The, the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 7 through 12, talk a lot about end times prophecy. Uh, the last book in the Bible, Revelation, is, is a lot about a, a, the vision of the, the apostle John and, and what's going to come at the last days. Uh, the apostle Paul mentions, uh, mentions this and refers to it several different times throughout his letters. And, and many of the other New Testament writers uh, refer to the end of time, judgment day, all those kinds of things. So there's a lot in the Bible about the end of the world. The problem is that most of it is just downright confusing. I mean, especially you look at the stuff in Daniel and the stuff in Revelation and, and the authors use all this metaphorical language and, and, and imagery and, and it can be interpreted in many different ways. And, and uh, go ahead and just cycle through, uh, just, just hit that, that next one. There's a bunch of, I think, that make these charts and graphs and we're not going to look at the details of all this because, you know, everybody kind of gets them a little bit different and they get the whole timelines a little bit different and uh, there's they explain it in different ways and 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 uh, some of them act as though they were in the room when John had the vision and this is it and this is gospel truth and and uh, I mean you've got all these different I mean it's just it's I mean you some of them are even in color I mean I don't know whether they had color back then but no they might be right they might be crazy they might be a combination of the two I, I I guess I always land, I, I love how uh, one of my professors in seminary described it, uh, Dr. Rob Staples. Uh, Dr. Staples uh, talked about going on a trip. Let's say we're going on a trip, to, uh, maybe we're taking a, a tour with a bunch of other people, and we're going on this trip to, to tour Europe for a couple of weeks. And, and so Dr. Staples said, well, uh, on that trip, uh, you'd be given an itinerary, right? Uh, spelling out the details hour by hour, day by day. Your flight leaves from here at this time. You're going to land here at this time. Then you're going to go to this hotel. There would be times laid out for shopping and for sightseeing and, and for going to certain locations. Uh, there, there'd be, it'd be laid out in the itinerary where and when supper was planned and which bus to take and when to catch the train. It would be extremely detailed and would spell out everything, maybe including what was on the menu for tea that in the afternoon. But Dr. Staples said, well, when you get back from that trip, as you're sharing your experience with your friends, you're not going to pull out the itinerary and show them the itinerary. You're going to show them the pictures you took. This was 20, 20 plus years ago uh, with Dr. Staples, uh, and, and he described it as snapshots. I don't know that we still call them snapshots. Uh, we take them on a, uh, Snapchats, right? Uh, you pull out your phone, you scroll through your gallery and, and, uh, and show people, or, or if you haven't already Instagrammed the whole thing in, in real time, right? That's probably what we're, what we're doing these days. But people wouldn't want to know what time you got on the bus. 
but they'd want to know what you did and what you saw. And so Dr. Staples said that's a great way to approach this end time stuff in scripture. We have snapshots of what's going to happen. They're not necessarily in order. We don't have all the details, but we have some pictures, some snapshots of what it will be like. Some of those snapshots are are pretty wild and crazy. Uh, What are some of those things? We don't have time to read all those passages today. I I just want to give you some of the highlights. Uh, Trust me, it's there, especially in in Daniel and in Revelation. If you want to look later into those kinds of things, uh, talk to Pastor Diana about it all. She's she's taught the whole, their group went through that uh, 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 a little while ago. But no, uh, here, here are some of the things that are going to happen. To answer the question, what's going to happen at the end of time? Well, Jesus will return. Uh, there's a thing called the rapture that's described where followers of Jesus, both dead and alive, will rise up to meet the Lord in the air, Scripture says. There's a time of tribulation described where, where this, uh, this person or this being called the Antichrist is going to rule. Uh, there, there's this thing called the mark of the beast that, that people will need to have either on their, their, their hand or their forehead. And without that, you won't be able to do business in the, and it's, it's crazy stuff. Uh, Revelation talks about persecutions and, and uh, trials being poured out upon the earth. Uh, maybe you've heard of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Well, those are, that's described in, in Revelation. There's a dragon. There's a beast. Uh, all this stuff is, is literally in scripture. And there's a lot of speculation about the timing of it all. We saw some of those charts and, and how they all uh, lay it out, and, and some of them are probably pretty accurate. The, the, okay, so, so we got the rapture, and we got the tribulation, and we got persecutions. Well, when all, is all that going to happen? And some people believe that, we, that, that all the Christians will be raptured before the tribulation takes place. Some believe that it's going to be in the middle of all that. Some believe that the tribulation happens first, and then we, got, we, we meet the Lord in the air. So we've got all these, uh, these, these theories and, and theologies, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. This is, this is like the cool, catchy, you know, Christian slang, you know? You, you, are you pre-trib? Okay, we can hang out. You know, uh, it, Jesus will reign for a thousand years, Scripture says. There's going to be a final battle. Armageddon, you've heard, probably heard of that somewhere. At least you've seen the movie, right? There's a, there's a ju- I don't think it's going to happen like that, but uh, there's, there's a judgment day when people will be judged based on what we've done with Jesus and whether we have a relationship with Jesus. We'll be judged on how we've lived our lives. Satan and his angels and the unrepentant will be uh, cast into the lake of fire. God will establish a new heaven and a new earth that will last for all eternity. These are just some of the snapshots of what's going to happen at the end of time. A whole lot of stuff. Some incredible things. But instead of getting into all of the details and the timeline of it all, the most important thing we know is that it's going to happen And if we know that it's going to happen, it should affect how we live now. So what's going to happen at the end of time? A whole lot of weird stuff. Uh, Next question. How will we know when the end is near? Or another way to ask that, are we currently living in the end time? Short answer, yes. The long answer is, everyone who has lived in the last 2,000 years since Jesus ascended into heaven has also been living in the last times, the the end times, the last days. Jesus told the disciples there would be certain things that would take place so we would know that, that, that the, the world is gearing up for the end, right? Uh, Matthew 24, uh, we'll read some of that today if you want to look uh, in more detail. It's, it's through that chapter Jesus is explaining these things. It, it, starting in verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. 
Tell us, they said, what will, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the, of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. And at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus says there will be natural disasters and wars and nations in conflict and, and persecution of God's people and martyrdom of God's people and, and false teachers uh, spewing false uh, instructions and, and the gospel will be spread throughout the whole world. And these are the things that will happen prior to the end. Later he also said in, in verse 36, but about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So we, don't, we know one thing for sure, if someone predicts an exact date and time that Jesus is coming back, we know it's not going to be then because this says that only God the Father knows the, the time or the hour. But we can get a glimpse from seeing all the signs of what's coming, but we don't necessarily know for sure. And many people say that the world is in such turmoil right now that it can't be far off. All of those things are happening right now. And I would agree with them. Jesus could come back at any moment. The circumstances of the day certainly line up with many of the things Scripture says will happen in the last days. But I also don't pretend to know for sure because Christians through the ages in virtually every generation for the past 2,000 years have been convinced that Jesus was going to come back in their lifetime. Even as early as the writing of Peter's second letter, Second Peter, uh, uh, people were, were getting impatient. They were looking for Jesus' return. Peter was addressing them in, in Second Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 4. He, he's, uh, he, he's quoting them and saying that they're coming to him and asking, where is this coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as, as it has since the beginning of creation. This letter was written like 30 years after Jesus ascended, and already people are saying, well, when is this going to happen? That is, it's got to happen soon. Here's a quote. The, the last days are upon us. Weigh carefully the times. Look for him who is above all time, eternal and invisible. That statement was made by Ignatius in 110 A.D. In 236 A.D., a church leader named Hippolytus predicted that Christ was sure to return before 500 A.D. The, the years between 999 and 1030 A.D. were characterized by excessive speculation about Christ's second coming, uh, so much that it, it led to social chaos as Christian farmers didn't plant crops for the next year. Buildings weren't repaired. The details of daily life were neglected because they thought that Christ would return in their lifetime. In the 1500s, Martin Luther uh, is quoted as saying this, We have reached the time of the white horse of the apocalypse. This world will not last any longer than another hundred years. Christopher Columbus said he was sure the world would end by 1656. The year 1666 saw an explosion in end-time speculation, so much that, that one pastor wrote in his journal that every time a storm hit, people would go to the church 
to wait for Christ's second coming. In the 1800s, a Christian named William Miller said, I am fully convinced that somewhere between March 21st, 1843 and March 21st, 1844, Christ will come. And when the, those dates came and went, hundreds of people walked away from the Christian faith. You're probably aware that just a few years ago, was it the end of 2012? We were, people were convinced the end of the Mayan calendar, it ran out. They must have known something, right? Because it, it was, and I, I, I hope they weren't right. We're all still here, right? Um, so I hope that from our limited perspective in our lifetime, it certainly seems that Jesus could come back at any moment, and he could. But literally every generation before us has thought the same thing and there was evidence to support those theories. The bottom line is Jesus will come back. He promised that he would. And we are closer now than we've ever been before. We don't have to be frightened of it. We don't have to be obsessed with it. I know I've told you before uh, about my, uh, my experience with some of this when I was in elementary school. I attended a Christian school uh, and uh, being in that environment, not only did they teach you reading, writing, and arithmetic, but you also had Bible class every day. And uh, in, in the fourth grade, our teacher seemed to think that it would be a great idea to make sure all of us nine and ten-year-olds knew the details of the end times with all the fire and dragons and persecution and people disappearing and raptures and all those kinds of things. And we learned that Jesus was coming back probably soon, maybe even tonight, and you better watch out. At least that's what I got from it. They, there would certainly be a rapture where God's people would be taken away, and if you weren't right with God, you'd be left to face torment and trial and the trial of the tribulation. And as a fourth grader, that scared the living daylights out of me. I can remember for the next year or two, I was, I was very sensitive to the fact that, that I might be left behind. It was probably a good thing that those left behind books weren't written until I was an adult or they would have just pushed me over the edge. I mean, I would, I would, I remember coming downstairs and coming into the family room and the light was on, but nobody was in the room. And, and then I'd hear noise from the other room and I, I, I can remember uh, being in the house one evening and, uh, uh, you know, people are usually doing whatever, doing the dishes, watching TV, uh, doing homework, whatever, and, and I couldn't find anybody anywhere. So much to the fact that I went out to uh, see if maybe they went shopping or something. I went out to the garage. Both the cars are in the garage. Nobody's there. They'd gone on a walk and didn't tell me. And I was scared to death. I remember waking up in the middle of the night. I'm just being real here. Um, Waking up in the middle of the night and having, you know, this, I wonder. And, yeah, I mean, my brother was there, but come on. I mean, <laughs> that didn't worry me too much. Um, sorry, Andrew, if you're listening to this. Um, but, but I remember turning on the Christian radio station, because if the Christians are still here, right? <laughs> and this is back in the day when the radio stations went off at midnight. You know, and, and so uh, some of you don't remember that. There's, there used to be a time when there was not 24-7 broadcasting. Uh, a couple of you remember those days. Anyway, uh, so, so this was like 2 in the morning, and I turned it on, and the Christian radio station is... <sighs> and now I'm stuck here with my brother, and it's, you know... I mean, it goes on and on. I was scared to death. The second coming of Jesus Christ was not a comforting thought for me. It was not a time or a thing to celebrate. It put the fear of God in me. 
Some of you have told me that you had some of those same experiences with, with uh, people uh, kind of scaring you into the kingdom, so to speak, with some of those things. But this, this stuff is not supposed to scare us. It's included in Scripture to in, encourage us, uh, to, to, to prepare us. 1 Thessalonians 4, 6, 16 to 18. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 2 Peter chapter 3 Beginning in verse 10, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Okay, so so everything will be destroyed by fire. The earth will be laid bare. Heavens will disappear with a roar. Elements will melt with the heat, and we're supposed to look forward to that. Yes, because it's the culmination of everything that God has promised as he ushers in his eternal perfect kingdom, free from sin and free from all of its consequences. There is hope in this. This world is not where it ends, but there is hope. This is just temporary, and there is hope for eternity. It's very important to know all this because we need to be ready God doesn't tell us all this in order to scare us, but to prepare us. As the temptations sang so eloquently, get ready, because here I come. Well, then we need to answer that question, how do we get ready? Uh, There's a lot of things, uh, two that I want to drill down on today. The first one is that we need to keep watch. Matthew 24, again, uh, verses 42 to 44. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day our Lord, your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time the, uh, of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Literally, this, this term, keep watch, means be on your guard. It's the image of a, of a guard on duty, knowing that at any time something might happen, and so every muscle is toned and ready. Uh, the, the senses are heightened. Uh, weapons are in reach. Everything that that, that, that that guard would need, if something were to happen, I'm ready. I'm keeping watch. When it comes to anticipating Christ coming again, Jesus says, keep watch. Why does he say that? Because... There will come a time when it will be impossible to get ready. You will have to be ready. At some point, the company arrives, the storm hits, the game starts, the starter's gun fires, all preparation ceases because the hour is now at hand and you have to be ready. There's no more time to get ready. At some point, Jesus is coming back. You can count on it. Might be in the next 10 minutes, might be in the next 10 years, but it's going to happen. Keep watch, be ready. Uh, 
Second thing is that we need to be faithful. As we read in Peter, 2 Peter there, we should make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe Pastor Diana read it earlier, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. John says in 1 John 2.28, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. That tells me there are two responses that we will have when Christ appears, confidence or shame. Continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. We will either be confident or we will be shamed because we're not ready. We can be confident if we have, as John says, if we have continued in him. It's the, it's the word of, of relationship. That same word continue it, it can, is, is translated uh, in, in another one of John's letters a, a little bit different. It's that word remain in him. Uh, in, in John chapter 15, Jesus is talking, he says, remain in me and I will remain in you. It's a, it's a word of connection, a word of abiding, a word of staying connected relationally. It's, it's that relationship with God, accepting Jesus as your Savior, developing a relationship with Him, staying close, growing closer, obeying Him, avoiding sin. If we live in those ways, if we continue in Him, we don't have anything to worry about. We can be confident when He comes. If we don't remain in Him, we will have something to worry about. We will be ashamed. On the shore of... Lake Como, nestled in the Italian Alps, is a lovely old villa, several hundred years old. And for years, the grounds have been kept immaculately by a, by a gardener, the same gardener for, for, for years. One day, some, some tourists uh, were, were complimenting him on his work and recognizing the painstaking effort that it, it must take to keep this, this, uh, this property so pristine and, and just amazing. And so they, they, they found the gardener and they were talking with him and they said, well, the owner m- must come here frequently to supervise your work. And, and the gardener said, well, no, sir, actually, uh, I've been here 15 years and he's only been here once. And, and when he was here, I didn't even know it. And he came and went and I didn't even meet him. The, the, the tourists were kind of uh, taken aback by that. We said, well, how, how do you get your orders and, and how do you know what to do? And, and the, uh, the, the gardener said, well, they come from the owner's agent. He lives in, in Milan and, and, uh, and sends me what, what should be done. And, and, and so they said, well, he must come here often and supervise you. Oh, maybe once a year he's here. And the tourists said, well, that's, that's amazing. You have no one to supervise your work. And yet the grounds are as neat as if you expected the owner to come back tomorrow. The gardener said, today, sir, not tomorrow. He could come back today. That's what motivated his work. Jesus might come back today. There's going to be a lot of weird stuff that takes place. We're not quite sure when and how it's all going to lay out, but it might happen today. We got to be ready. Yes, we're living in in the last days, in the end times, like we have been for the last 2,000 years. It it could be today, it could be tomorrow, it could be next week or next month or next year or 10 years or 20 years or 50 years, but it could be today. We've got to get ready. We've got to be ready. 
Keep watch. Be faithful. I, I, I can't... I can't preach a a message like that without also allowing time for you to process that and to get ready. The the, the peace that comes from remaining in God. Could be there are some here today who have not stepped into that relationship with God and and you haven't necessarily uh, lived by some of these, uh, this, this worldview here and, and maybe, maybe you're, you're more like this. Well, that's, that, that's fine. We're coming at it from, from this and believing that this is truth. And it's, it's possible as we drill down on the fact that heaven is our home and this world is just temporary, it's possible to step into that today, to accept the gift of Jesus, to renew that relationship and to, to begin a relationship with God as we, as we confess our sin and we want to get ready and remain in Him. It, it could be that maybe you've done that in the past, but maybe there are some things and you're going, you know what, if Jesus comes back like right after the benediction today, I'm not sure that I'm, I'm ready. I'm not, well, confident? I, you, you can be. It's, it's possible to, 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 to be ready, to, to, uh, to, to be up to date with God. As we confess our sin, as, as we allow Him to flow into our lives, basically we just say, God, I can't do this, but you can help me live for you. Father God, in the quiet of this moment, we, we want not only, uh, we want to evaluate our lives, but we want you to evaluate our lives. We want you to, uh, to, to speak to us in the quietness of our soul, speak to us and, and help us to see what, what there might be that would keep us from being confident in our relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for the hope that that this world is is not the end. Lord, I pray, I pray that you would help us to take the steps, whatever's necessary, to to say no to the world, to say no to sin, to say yes to you, to open ourselves up to that relationship. Maybe we don't even quite understand it all. But we know that we want you in our lives. Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.